Okay. Well, I um, want to uh, look into the word this morning, but uh, what a great presentation there by the um, Patch Kids, and certainly enjoyed seeing them this morning. What a blessing, and I appreciate all the hard work that they do. Um, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 28, back in the Old Testament this morning, if uh, you'd like to, to turn there. 1 Samuel 28. So back in history, the year is 1945. It's April 12th, so just before the middle of April. Uh, the phone's ringing, and there's a man who's calling on the phone to uh, just share some wonderful news. Uh, his name is Joseph Gables. He is the Minister of Propaganda for the Third Reich. And he is relaying to Adolf Hitler the news that Franklin Delano Roosevelt is dead. And um, this time, Allies had uh, pushed across Italy. They were reaching Western Germany. Uh, the Soviets have come in across Poland and um, would soon reach Berlin. And in the midst of this imminent demise of Germany, what is it that could cause Joseph Gables to have this ecstatic joy over the phone? Um, is it just simply the news of FDR's death? Well, no, there's a little more to it to that. Uh, Gables previously had told Hitler, and this is, this is the, the quote from from that time, it is written in the stars, the last half of April will be the turning point for us. And so previously, there were two previous astrological predictions that, um, that in the months uh, that, that forecast that Germany was going to face its hardest blows in the, the early days of April, the early months of 1945, and uh, particularly the first weeks of April. Uh, but then there would be this turning point, and, and, and that there would be an overwhelming victory for Germany in the second half of April. And it didn't take very long for them to realize that um, the stars didn't hold the answers that Germany needed. Right? And April 30th, 1945, uh, Adolf Hitler committed suicide. It, it became abundantly clear that that the pressure, that everything was closing in, and that they were, were going to lose. Now, there's a, a lesson from this. Where, where do we turn when we're in those moments where we face, face these desperate trials, when things seem uncertain? Where, where is it that we turn to find hope and direction uh, when life seems hard or, or things almost seem impossible? It's amazing how often, I think, in our world today that, that people will, in those moments, turn to the supernatural. Right? Things get hard, and all of a sudden, it, it becomes the point where it's as though, okay, I can't do this. There's nothing for me to do. There's nothing that I can do here to fix the problem that's going on. And, and so what do we do in those moments? Well, some people pray. Some people pray for the first time in years. 
for decades even. Uh, some people look to other places for answers. Right, maybe, remember, uh, do you remember all those TV infomercials for the psychic helpline? How do you think they made all of their money? People who are in difficult and desperate situations who wanted help. That, that, that's where the, the money came from. And this is not a new thing. This is, this is not a, a, a new occurrence to somehow seek the supernatural in moments of trial. It, it's not a new thing. It wasn't, it wasn't new in 1945. And in fact, it goes all the way back um, far before that. One of, the, one of the places that we see this, of course, is in Saul's final moments of desperation. Saul was the king of Israel. He had turned his back on the Lord. And God had promised that he would take his kingdom from him. In times of uncertainty and desperate trials, folks will often turn to any means that they can find for hope and direction. And Saul, as he is facing war with Philistines, this mighty Israel, mighty warrior, king of Israel, is absolutely, utterly afraid. And his prideful self-reliance has led him to the brink of destruction. And displays just the need uh, to prepare our hearts to humble ourselves to seek the Lord and to follow after Him. Let's look together at this passage. I'm going to go ahead and read it for us so we can, we can get the, um, the narrative, the understanding of, the, of what took place at this time. But 1 Samuel 28, uh, beginning in, let's just start in verse 1. It says the following, It came to pass in those days, the Philistines had gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men? And David said to Achish, Surely thou know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make the keeper of mine, head, of mine head forever. Now, verse 3 now. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and, and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Verse 6, Now when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord, uh, the Lord answered him not. Neither by dreams, nor by the Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me the familiar spirit, and bring me him. Who I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and, and the wizards out of the land. Therefore, when thou lay, therefore, um, wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. 
And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, Of an, an old man cometh up. And he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stopped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me, uh, to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me. We're going to pause right here. Pretty incredible account before us today. And uh, as we think about this, remember, this is Saul, this king, this brave man, who, in the midst of trial... His pride, his self-reliance has brought about all of this fear. Why? Because he's dependent upon himself. And he's looking out and he's seeing the Philistines, he's seeing the armies around him, saying, this is a battle I can't win. This is too much for me. And he doesn't know what to do. You know, back in 1 Samuel Saul was described as, as one who, who people in the streets would cry out and sing, Saul has slain his thousands. Right? 1 Samuel 18, that was going on. Only 10 chapters later in the same book, Saul is, over, is, is surveying this camp of the enemy, and he is absolutely overcome by fear. See, one of the things that happens is those who are proud face separation from God. They, they have come to rely upon themselves and everything that, that they face, everything that they're to endure, and, and then when the moment comes and the battle's too big, and they cry out to God, Paul's there wondering, he's not answering me. He's not answering me. Saul's a man who had a history of disobeying the Lord. First Samuel 15, uh, Saul was told to kill Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and he didn't do it. He wanted to go his own way. He spared his life, and as a result, he lost his kingdom. God promised that he would take his kingdom from him. First Samuel 16, 14, it notes that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. He had turned his back on the Lord over and over again, so much so that, that God removed his spirit from him. Then after these things happen, uh, all of these trials that David faces at the hand of Saul come about. As, as Saul seeks after his life, Saul knows that David will be the next king. He knows that. He understands that. And yet he still wants to kill him. God's promised David the kingdom. Saul knows that God will keep his promise. And Saul says, well, in my own strength, I'm going to overcome this. And I'm still going to try to kill David. Fighting against the Lord is a sure way uh, to lead to challenges and, and destruction in your own life. See, Saul had never displayed wholehearted obedience to the Lord. Verse 6 here, um, we, see, we see three ways that as a result of fear, Saul inquired of the Lord and received no response. So in, in 1 Samuel 28, verse 6, it says, When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, 
how neither by dreams nor by urim nor by prophets. So uh, three different ways here, right? First, dreams. No dreams. God didn't give him any answers through his dreams. Second, uh, the Urim and the Thummim, um, something like dice. This is oversimplified, but the idea is that God would give a yes or no answer to different questions. You could roll the dice and see what God said. Right? Ancient magic eight ball, except sanctioned by the Lord, right? For the priests in particular times. Third way that he wasn't answered here is by the prophets. Now, um, so a, a couple things here. Why was it that Saul used this Urim and Thurim by himself when it's supposed to be used by the priests? Well, one of the reasons is there probably were not um, very many available to consult with God on his behalf since Saul had already killed many of the priests back in chapter 22. Um, and those who survived probably were not very excited about coming forward to Saul and just saying, hey, let's, uh, let's, uh, let, let, let us seek the Lord on your behalf. Um, why did he receive a response from the prophets? Well, Samuel, who at this point has already died, but he was afraid for his life back in 1 Samuel 15 after he had an encounter with Saul and had run away from him. And Samuel himself was considered a leader of the prophets in that day. If your leader's running away from the king, do you think many other prophets would climb up and say, hey, we'd love to help you? No, of course not. And so Saul was unable to contact the Lord through any of his officers, and and neither the king uh, nor the priest nor the prophet could provide Saul with the communication he desired. Imagine perhaps the most hopeless misery in all of life is to find yourself totally alone and without God. That's where Saul was at this moment. Completely alone and without God. You know, this, this same type of thing happens in, in life to us where we take steps or do things that that are wrong, you know. um, You ever left a job but left the wrong way? So you understand that process, right? You you burn burn the bridges, you, um, and and one of the things that, you know, of course professionals advise, don't burn bridges, You you might need a position or something like that. Well, in the case of Saul, he had burnt every bridge that there was. Right? He had burnt every bridge that was a means of communicating with God. And, and he, here he is, he's, he's on a complete island by himself now, and there's no one to help. We think about this life as we go through it. It's just natural to look at others and, and maybe have a condemning spirit about what they're going through. Uh, but but the, the fact is, we often forget the wickedness of our own hearts. I mean, Saul went through this, and he went through all of, all of these steps. He burned all these bridges, and it's easy for us to look, look on him and say, wow, look at that guy, right? Look, look at what he did. Look how he turned his back on the Lord. And, and yet, far too often, time and time again, um, we, we choose our own pride, our own self-reliance in how we go about doing things rather than doing the things that, that please the Lord. 
How often do you stop to pray before you make that decision? How often do you pause to seek God's counsel before you take those steps? You know, there's um, often things that, from a human wisdom perspective, just seem like no-brainers, right? And uh, unfortunately, we rely too much in those instances on our own self rather than seeking the wisdom and counsel of God. I'm, I'm sure you got a good brain. I'm sure it works well. But I can tell you this, your brain's not as good as the wisdom of the Lord. Not suggesting you can only rely on one or the other. Use both, right? But look to the Lord for his wisdom. When we consider others, we, we need to, in the midst of that, recognize that we too are sinful in our own hearts. What happens with the proud is they seek their own means to solve their own problems. We, we have seen that. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school, thinking of Abraham and Sarah and the, the need for a son and, uh, and the desire to provide, uh, provide one through uh, Hagar. We, we, have, we have talked about that before. But here's the same type of situation playing out before our eyes. Here is Saul, and he is in a difficult circumstance He doesn't know how to get word to the Lord because he's burnt all of those bridges over and over again. And now he's wondering, what is it that I should do? And so he seeks his own means to solve the problems. He doesn't humble himself and return to the Lord. He doesn't humble himself and say, God, forgive me for turning my back on you. Forgive me, Lord. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He tries to come up with an answer, and his answer is... Let's go to a medium. I, uh, I enjoy this message in part because um, in the midst of this message, we have, um, we, we have the king, but he seeks out this medium, uh, commonly referred to as the witch of Endor. Okay, so, so we have the witch of Endor in the story. And he inquires of her to call up Samuel, and remember, where's Samuel at this point? He's dead. He's already died. And so he wants the witch to bring Samuel up out of the grave. So I, I don't know what you normally call that. I would call that a ghost. Right? I would call that a ghost, probably. And, and so, so we, we, have, we have Saul the king, we have, we have a witch, and we have a ghost. And this is like the perfect Halloween message. I mean, I mean, how often do you get to preach a Halloween message from Scripture? But, but that is what the, the account has before us today. And so as, as we look at this, what, is, what does Saul do? He says, well, I'm going to go to a witch to get Samuel out of the grave so that I can talk to him. Now, it's, it's interesting that, um, you, you know, the, the irony of this is Saul himself has banned mediums. He has banned uh, mediums from the land. He has banned these um, witches, the soothsayers, so to speak. He, he has banned them from the land previously. And, and it is, in fact, the witch of Endor who reminds him that of that in verse 9, right? Thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those who have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Why are you laying a snare for my life? 
So here's the king who is trying to inquire of Samuel to seek the will of God, and in doing so, goes about it by going through a witch who he himself as king has previously banned and cut off from the land at, at penalty of death, and thinks that by going through this medium, somehow he will be successful in finding the will of God. It's amazing how far our pride can blind us. Got to get an answer from God. I need to know what he's going to say. I need to know what he, what, what he has for me. Have you heard people answer that question before? I've heard a lot of ways that people have said that, that God answered that question for them. <laughs> Sometimes it's something as silly as a fortune cookie. <laughs> oh, I, I need to know what God wants me to do. <laughs> Got to get Chinese tonight. Kind of silly, isn't it? And yet I've heard that. And I, I've heard that. How, how, do, how do people answer that question? I need to know what God wants me to do. How, how, do, you, how do you learn what God wants you to do? I know people who, who their answer to that question has been, well, that means I've got to go out drinking tonight and get totally drunk, and then maybe I'll figure it out in the midst of my drunkenness. Heard folks answer that question that way. I've heard people consult psychics or so-called prophets. I've heard people come up with all kinds of answers in their own mind saying it's from the Lord where they connect all kinds of random events together to come up with some solution that appeases their, conference, their conscience to say it's from God. Well, I was driving down the road, and I saw a sign for 17, and I turned off because I was born on the 17th. Uh, you, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on. What, what is going on? People in trials seek out supernatural solutions, even when it doesn't make any biblical sense. And some seek after God in ways, hey, I want an answer from God. Okay, let's do unbiblical things for that <laughs> purpose. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. What's going on here? Are these people just absolutely foolish? No, they're proud. And our pride blinds us to, to these simple realities of life. The proud seek their own means to solve problems. The, the, the medium here knew that this was... Uh, something that that had had brought about um, that that would potentially lead to her death if she goes and she divines these spirits for for um, Saul. And what Saul's response? As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Can he say that? Can he say that? Can, can he promise this witch, as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this thing? Does he have that right? Can man forgive sins? That was the question posed to Jesus. Do you remember that? Can man forgive sins? 
And the answer in Jesus' case was simple. Uh, no, but I'm not just a man, right? God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And that's why Jesus could do it. Does Saul have that right? No. This is called blasphemy. That's what's going on here. Right? As the Lord lives, you, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. All right, so here, here it is. These few short verses, King of Israel breaks God's law by seeking a medium, then blasphemes God by swearing by him that the judgment will not come for breaking the law, and all of it happens because this king wants to talk to God. Oh, pride has really blind him. You know, it's clearly evident what's going on here. Saul's seeking God, but he didn't want to do it in God's way. He didn't want to do it God's way. He wanted to do it his own way. He needed to get out of this predicament with the Philistines. The war was coming. What's he going to do? He, he doesn't want the responsibility of a relationship with God. He approached God seeking his gifts, but he didn't want to obey. God, do what I want here. God, do what, I'm, what, what I demand here. But no, I'm not going to do it your way. I have an um, extended family member who's a real estate agent. And, uh, you know, at different times when the, the housing market went down, she had trouble moving houses. And these houses remained unsold. She was kind of in a desperate situation. She goes to a local bookstore and she buys these little statues of St. Christopher. And she'd bury the statues in the yards of the homes trying to sell them. She wanted God's blessing to sell the house. Now, she told me this story and she seemed a bit disappointed at the lack of success. She didn't ever talk about praying to God and asking for his help. She didn't talk about being in the word or seeking God's face. She didn't talk about worshiping him through his, with his people at church. In fact, not once did she seek to obey God by changing the way that she lived or her lifestyle. None of that came into mind. See, it was a time of trouble. And she wanted a blessing from God, but she didn't want to obey him. She didn't want to live to please with him, please him. She needed help, but she didn't want the responsibility of a relationship with God. She sought her own way to solve her problem. Now, I don't know a great deal about this. Uh, apparently, it was a Catholic bookstore, and she kept going in to buy these things. And finally, they asked her, why do you keep buying these things? And the people there were upset about it, <laughs> about how she was using this and seeking, seeking uh, these things from the Lord. You know, the question, I think, before us, what, what are these challenges in life that are coming up that, that just seem so desperate? Are you looking to the Lord in those areas, or are you willing to go your own way? You want God's favor, and at the same time, you lie on the job application? Right? What... Which of God's commands are you tempted to sacrifice in order to gain a desired end? Dare I say tax season is coming up? 
Which of God's commands are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve desired end? Will you keep silent when something's clearly going wrong just to appease the boss, even though something improper is taking place? Will you continue that relationship with that man or woman knowing that it's a relationship which does not please God? You know, these are real struggles and these are real things that, that people face in life. We, we need to, I, I think, before the challenges come, set up in our heart and our walk with the Lord, I will seek to do the things that please the Lord even when it's hard. I don't want the quick and easy fix. I want the relationship with God. It might cost me in the short term. But I don't want temporary relief that's going to lead to ruin. A couple of uh, explanatory notes here about this account, right? you, this witch at Endor here, and of course we have the appearance of the spirit of Samuel, and a uh, question there, is it, is it a ghost? Um, and, and maybe that's come up, you know. We, we have palm readers and things like that to, today, but, um, but there are even those who claim to contact the dead today, right? But probably for most of us, that's not a part of our daily lives, um, you know. I think the, the only time I can remember something like that was some uh, great-great-aunt when I was like five, and she grabs my hand and starts looking at my palm and says, oh, you're going to have a long life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I was five. I mean, that's the only time I can remember something like that. But, but you, you know, we, we do have those who claim to be able to contact the dead today. Um, but... Maybe you're skeptical of whether or not this, this medium, this witch at Endor, was able to contact this dead prophet. Well, a couple things here. The, the Bible actually says that she saw Samuel. Okay, so the, the text itself says that. Um, and so God's word makes that clear. Um, the other thing that happens that I think is interesting is in verse 12, she sees Samuel and, and it says, she cried with a loud voice. Um, what is that? I think that that's surprise. <laughs> right? you, you can imagine her conjuring up these people from the dead and making it up, so to speak, time and time again. And this time she goes through the process and looks over, and there he is. Right? I wouldn't expect that. You, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's as though, wow, it actually worked. Um, and, and so we, you know, we see that taking place here. And, and so, uh, so she seems to be shocked. Um, and, and so maybe that's the first time her, her powers have actually worked. Uh, we, we don't know for sure, but same time that happens, she recognizes Saul. I don't know whether that's seeing Samuel triggered her mind that this is the king, but, but she realizes who he is. And, and now she goes, okay, I'm performing my ser- services for the king, the same one who promised to kill me for doing this, and now I'm, I'm really in danger. But, but whatever it is, she has genuine fear here that's taking place. And then Samuel, he's going to have a speech. And his speech alludes to previous events that happened between Saul and himself. Samuel describes things in his speech that took place between himself and the king. He knows what happened in the past. 
And all that really suggests that this really is Samuel, right? The other thing that we see is that this, this Samuel who's been conjured up, his message is the same as, as Samuel in life. Uh, certainly, if the medium was creating some sort of message here, she'd have picked a different one. Why make the king mad when he can kill you, right? He, she, she certainly would have picked a different one. Prideful self-reliance brings fear when confronted with God's word. We're going to see that looking ahead now in verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams, nor therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee, and has become thine enemy? Verse 17, the Lord, uh, And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou had obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with thee. The Lord shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth, and he was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day, nor all the night. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore troubled, and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice, and I have put my life in my hand, and have hearkened, and have hearkened unto thy words, which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused. He said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, compelled him, and he hearkened unto her voice. So he rose from the earth and sat upon the bed, and the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did bake unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat, and then they rose up and went away that night. So here's Saul. He is, he is seeking the Lord. Verse, uh, verse 5 says he had saw the camp of the Philistines. He was afraid. And he hears from the Lord in verse, verse 20. And it says Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. You know, Saul was afraid because of the Philistines. Now that he's had an encounter with God and his word, he's very afraid. So much so that this mighty king has been brought all the way down onto the earth. You know, these verses are, are really like bookends of Saul's process of, of seeking and then later hearing the words of God. He sought relief from his fear, and yet he found no relief from God because of his disobedience. See, the proud are brought low before God's word. Samuel spoke, Saul's on the ground. The irony is that, remember, Saul, he was known for being a head, high, a head taller than anybody else. He was a tall man, right? And certainly some of that is, is, is likely going on here. That This tall man is now laying flat on the ground in fear before the prophet of God. God opposes the proud, 
gives grace to the humble. That's what his word promises. Here is a clear contrast between Saul and David. The tall, handsome one versus the, the short, comely one. How, how, how will this happen? What, what took place? The end of, of, verse, of chapter 27, um, we're, we're left with this question of how will David handle this dilemma of, of at this time being allied with the Philistines, right? And he's called on to fight against his own people. How, how will he handle that? Well, the answer to that comes later in, in 29 and 30, but in, in terms of order, these chapters, 29 and 30, actually occur chronologically before 28. 28 happens here. Why? Because God is providing a clear contrast between Saul and how he's handling the situation and what David is prepared to do. In 27, David is struggling with the issue of being allied with Israel's enemy. Chapter 28, Saul is struggling with the issue of facing the Philistines in battle and not being able to hear from the Lord. Chapters 29 and 30, what happens to David? David's deliverance. And then chapter 31, Saul's final downfall. We have a clear contrast as we see Samuel's prophecy being fulfilled in the upcoming chapters as God rips the kingdom from Saul's hand. You know, this contrast is made between David, who is surrounded by those who hate Israel and his people, and, but who walks humbly before the Lord and Saul, uh, but, both of them, who will be installed as the king over the entire nation. Um, Saul, who, who is the king over the entire nation, but walks in his own pride and self-reliance. So, so here's Saul. He's king over the entire nation, but he's, he, he walks in his pride and self-reliance. Then you have David who loves the Lord, seeks to serve Saul, and yet he is totally surrounded by his enemies, and he still walks humbly before the Lord. What, what a contrast there, right? David's a positive example of someone handling moments when it seems as though God is not listening and yet still trusting him. So what do we do when we're discouraged, when we're in those moments where it just seems like there's no answer? <laughs> We, we, we don't live like Saul, having a last evening of utter disgrace, the king of Israel forced to hide his identity to consult a medium. His judgment will be death and the death of his sons. The nation is going to be given over to the enemies. The king of Israel is lying flat, prostrate on the ground, trembling in fear, and his only comfort in the midst of all of this comes from the witch giving him food. It's the only comfort. In all of this, the median, the one who doesn't love the Lord, the one who practices witchcraft, she gives him food. The practitioner of paganism provides Saul his last meal, so to speak. The utter failure of Israel's first king is depicted. And Saul, as king, has his last supper, brings to mind the true king, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he also ate his last meal at night. And unlike Saul, who chose disobedience, Jesus, when faced with the upcoming trial of the cross, was fully obedient to the Lord. He was fully obedient to his father. 
He was willing to sacrifice himself for the good of his people. Saul was unwilling to change and continued in disobedience. You know, Saul's death is partially attributed to the judgment that was brought about as a result of the events that occurred in this chapter. And in the midst of this desperation, he sought his own way. What he'd done, what was his pattern throughout his entire reign. Could, could it have been different for Saul if, if he hadn't sought out the medium and faced God's judgment? It, it, could it have been different if he had humbled himself? Um, perhaps a different answer would have come, right? Perhaps a different judgment would have come, but we, we don't know that. But we do know that the humility and brokenness before a holy God that was needed was never shown. Can I, can I just say to you this morning, if you are struggling, that there is hope. And, and the hope that comes is not from your own strength or self-reliance. The, the hope that's available comes from God. And it doesn't come from seeking after Him in your own way. It comes from approaching Him according to His Word in His way. You, you see, what, if it's sin, there's forgiveness available through Jesus Christ. If, if there are things around you that are on the outside that are too hard for you, you can look to the Lord for answers. Not promising or suggesting that it's going to be easy. But it's far better than going it your own way. Being on that island, burning those bridges, being all alone. You know, being humble and broken before God, confessing and forsaking sin can restore fellowship with Him. Can I just say also, if you've never had that fellowship with Him, that it's available through Jesus Christ? You see, when He was faced with that terrible moment of trial, knowing that His own life would be required of Him in the cross, He voluntarily laid down His life, dying for the sins of the world, dying for your sins. By believing in Him, you could have forgiveness. That is the beauty of the message of the gospel. That is the humility of our Savior. If you never trusted Him, fellowship with God is available today if you believe. Can I just also say this? Maybe you have, and you've gone your own way, and you've gone your own way for a long ways. I cannot stand here today and will not stand here today and blaspheme God in the way that Saul did and say, as the Lord lives, judgment will not come upon you. That, that would be a lie. But let me say this. God himself offers and promises forgiveness for those who humble themselves before him. If we confess with our mouth, right? if we confess with our mouth, then the promise for us is that he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I encourage you today to approach God his way. And when you do, he will answer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the word of God. Thank you for what you have taught us. 
through both positive and negative examples. Father, we have thank you for what you have taught us, most of all through the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today for those who are hearing this, that, that Lord, you would work on their behalf. Father, for those who need to be humbled, I pray that you'd humble them. Father, those who are seeking to approach you in humility, I pray that you would answer them in kindness, according to your word, forgiving their sin, restoring fellowship. Father, we are thankful today for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Help us, Lord, not to reject it in the midst of our pride, but rather to humble ourselves before you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. just want to give you a quick chance to respond this morning. No one's looking around, just me. If you would say uh, this morning that God's working on my heart and there are some things that I need to change the way I'm going about it. Need to make sure that it's his way as I seek his voice. If you just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'd count it a privilege to pray for you. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand? I'd just count a privilege. Amen. 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 More question this morning. If you would say today that I've never put my faith in Christ, I've never trusted him to save me, I've never believed the shed blood of Christ to pay the penalty for my sins. And I want everlasting life. I want eternal life. If, th- if that's you, um, would you just simply put up your hand? I'd love to talk to you about it. Anybody like that at all? Just slip up your hand. I won't call you out. I would love to get together with you and talk about it. Holy Father, I do thank you for your word and how it's working in hearts. Father, I pray for those specifically who lifted their hand this morning. Pray, Lord, you, you know their lives. You know what's going on. I pray that you would give them grace. Father, as, as they humble themselves before you, I pray that you would come alongside, encourage, lift up, and continue to help. Father, I pray for answers, for questions that are out there, that you would make clear the paths of righteousness. Father, I pray also for those who Maybe didn't raise their hand today, and yet you are still at work in their hearts. Father, where fellowship needs to be restored, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear that that has taken place. Forgiveness, which has been offered, that, that the reality of it would be abundantly clear. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to guide and lead and direct work in lives and hearts. Father, I pray that those seeking to do things your way would be renewed in the study of your word. That we might know your will. Father, we give you thanks for all of these things and your working in our lives and hearts today. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.